Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is Kevin Joseph O'Connor. The podcast is Spirit of Play Conversations on Creativity. This is a fun episode. It's with my friend Tyler Sutphin. I hope that you enjoy the conversation. This is an episode that I am excited to share, which is why I'm not waiting. I'm trying to release these more or less as I can record them. And it was fun being able to record this episode just a couple days after the first episode with Joel was recorded. Another episode here with a dog at the forefront. Um, his This episode was, was recorded at his house and their sweet dog named Gray um, is prominent at the very beginning of the episode and I didn't feel like cutting it out because I like dogs. That's a footnote from Zula. Mm -hmm. You can find more out about the podcast at kevinjoseph.art. That's K-E-V-A-N-J-O-S-E-P-H dot A-R-T. Thanks for sharing your thoughts and feedback and questions. Um, You can reach me at kevinjosephart.art at gmail.com to find more out about Tyler Sutphin's music and to follow along with him go to his Instagram page which the handle is at this one is for music t-h-i-s-o-n-e-i-s-f-o-r-m-u-s-i-c this one is for music it's great thanks for listening enjoy the conversation water you've been outside i've loved on you barely what do you need okay yeah you gotta, you gotta dude cozy uh do you want blanket more pillows no i don't need to be any more warm than i already am you want to you want me to cool it down in here no 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 okay no. um have you seen the wes anderson movie the royal tenant bombs Dude, I literally, um, yes, it's been a long time, but I was going to try and watch that uh, the other night because I saw that it's on either Amazon Prime or Netflix. Really? Yeah. One of my favorite movies of all time. I almost clicked on it, but I ended up watching The Prestige instead. You know what? Much I different I direction. I can't you there. Um, I like The Prestige a lot. I feel like I relate more to the Royal Tenenbaums. <laughs> I'm not like a double persona <laughs> magician who's like, yeah. yeah. Um, I was thinking about the scene where it it's like a, a playback flashback of Richie Tenenbaum, Luke, uh, uh, Luke Wilson's character um, as the like famed tennis, like bomber, the tennis player. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like he has this breakdown on the court. And the part that I always think about is when the announcer is like, he's taken off both of his shoes and one of his socks. <laughs> and <laughs> like how specific that is. And I just relate to that. <laughs> like, <laughs> how did you get where you're going? He took off both of his shoes and one of his socks. Uh, yeah, I love that. Um, and I, dude, I mean, I just love Wes, Wes Anderson films in general i'll drink to that um okay no we'll get we'll circle back to the wes anderson for sure okay um <clears throat> i gotta turn my phone off yeah do not disturb oh wait that wasn't me that was you. that was me that was you okay Cheers. all right to life that's no. what we're okay. <laughs> to you, Gray. It's fireball. Come on. Just kidding. It's like thirty year scotch, everybody. <laughs> that's that's <sighs> what we're drinking. Mm-hmm. Mm. <sighs> Goes, down so <laughs> Goes down smooth. Goes down smooth. Does it though? Yeah. It's like 
it's like you soaked whiskey in red hots. You soaked red hots in whiskey. And yeah. It feels good going down. No, it really doesn't. <laughs> do you like spicy candies? Yeah, I do. I mean, uh I don't drink. I mean, <clears throat> sorry. I'm really distracted right now because I just drank that IPA right after that, and it does not go well together. After the 30-year scotch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. That was soaked in Red Hots. I do like spicy candy. I like Red Hots and things of that nature. I also like spicy food, but I don't think they're really in the same ballpark at all because it's just spicy candy is just like an insane amount of cinnamon. It's not really spicy. Yeah, it's more just a shock to your system than anything else, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, thanks for thanks for being here. Thanks for <laughs> having me over. So we are in um we're we're in Tyler's home. His lower level floor has guitars and a miniature banjo and a mandolin on the wall and two pedal steels. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is overkill. I mean, can you play them both at once? You could. You can't play all the guitars. Wait, I'll wait, wait, say back up. You can. You could. I, I guess. I'm just. It's overkill for me. Um, I don't need more than one pedal steel. Some people do. I don't. I think. But need, I just have them. I think need is a weird question to ask when you're, when you're talking about all of the. I don't know. There, there's a weird balance balance between like. This is a hobby. This is a passion. This is something that we're, that I feel enlivened by. And like earlier we were playing with all these guitar pedals and effects and stuff like that. And those aren't needs. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference in the two pedal steels that you have? One of them is the first guitar, uh, the first steel guitar, uh, that I ever got. So it's, uh, it's probably 2010. Uh, I asked for a steel guitar. I told my dad I was actually looking at steel guitars um, to buy one, and he bought me one for Christmas. It's a 1950s uh, Fender Model 400, eight string pedal steel. Now they're all standardly 10 strings. It's eight strings. Three pedals, no knee levers. Big difference. The one that you have over there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. The old one. Um, And it's so vibey. It's like sounds so cool. Um, But it is in kind of, it's antiquated. You know, back in the 50s, guitars that were made were, some of them are antiquated, but like, you know, you can get a, a nice like, you know, the the best Les Pauls ever made were made in the late fifties. Um, but that thing is like, you get a leg workout trying to push the pedals. Um, but and it, it sounds doesn't awesome. have the, the levers that hang down. No. Okay. Knee levers. Yeah. So it makes it a lot harder on you cause you're having to do everything with your feet. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just something that sounds probably ridiculous to people that don't play pedal steel a lot of people probably don't even know what a pedal steel guitar is but when you live in nashville um maybe feel synonymous with country music (laughs) oh yeah but sure it's been cool to see the different ways that you've that you've used it you've done a lot of like it's become a tool where you can make super weird sounds yeah like you've been able to make some some alien noises through that thing and also do just traditional pedal steel. Um, I don't want to talk about that. But <laughs> anybody who's listening, thanks for listening. This is the Spirit of Play Conversations on Creativity podcast. Um, my good friend, Tyler Sutphin, thanks for having me over. Um, like I said, we're, we're at his home. I like doing these conversations um i don't know there's something about doing a podcast where it's in such a relaxed environment where we're where we're in a home and 
you feel like you can be in the environment where where the creativity happens like this is where it all happens this is this is where you're able to explore ideas um in the most organic way and so we're just sitting next to your amps and your guitars right now just lounging straight lounging on the couch <laughs> each have our own couch we each have our own couch actually it's, <sighs> it's we're social nice. distanced it's safe everyone yep um pedal steel i was thinking about you playing pedal steel and how the um the closest instrument in my mind is the church organ how you have multiple levels mm. of keyboards and your feet are involved with these giant giant pedals you're just doing all these things and some of them you have these push pull knobs and like your whole body is invested you can't just sit there and like pluck along like you are the instrument as well mm -hmm. and that's what it also seems like when i'm watching you play pedal steel like your feet are involved your knees are involved your left hand's involved your right hand's involved and they're all doing different things both yeah. knees both feet both hands yeah it, you know, first off, if we want to talk about pedal steel this whole podcast, I'm happy to do so. We're not going to. Nobody I'm ever gonna, asks me about gonna, these things. We're but... going to put a stop on it. Right? <laughs> I'm joking. Please continue. I mean, okay, so my thing, so with pedal steel, I started playing, like I said, probably back in probably 2010, and it's just because I was really into certain, like, Americana music that had it in it, but like what? Um, like uh, My Morning Jacket, Carl Bramel. I really loved. You know, they can be just straight um, Americana, and then they go into rock. They get into psychedelic music, and the dude will play pedal steel in all of it, and they can get pretty psychedelic in in certain tracks on, on a couple albums and. I the think steel about guitar, using slide guitar. I don't think about them using pedal steel the whole time, but you're right. There's yeah. like it's all over the place. Yeah, and even if he's not, you know, doing traditional like pedal steel licks using the pedals and everything, it's all over the place. And so I just loved that and I wanted to learn how to play. Um which is a a problem that I have is that um I hear things and I want to learn how to play it and um, I'm probably spread way too thin because I have so many different random instruments, but um, I loved steel guitar. And it's funny, you've got all the uh, the pedals and the knee levers and everything going on, and it seems so complicated, but honestly, most people don't realize once you get the basics down, it's like, I would say like, I imagine it'd be like flying a helicopter. You have to do all those things too. You have everything going on, but you're not thinking That's a about steep hill to climb to get the <laughs> basics down. Like I think a helicopter okay, yeah. pilot is a correct <laughs> analogy. Like I, I, I don't know. Like once you get the basics down, it's like a breeze. Well, also you know once you get your uh, your helicopter pilot license, and you don't have to think about how many different levers and gadgets you're pulling like yeah sure that sounds great <laughs> well it just becomes natural quickly i feel like i believe that and so obviously the, i mean there's just a million different ways you can go with it and you can become virtuosic and everything like that and i think most of the guys that play pedal steel are like crazy amazing with music theory and that's not me um i i know really? the basics oh yeah and i I know the basics, and I just kind of try to feel it as much as possible. I've noticed that you've you you've played pedal steel on several people's projects before. Um, you've you've played guitar longer than you've played pedal steel, though, right? Oh yeah. Um, so I've played guitar since I was like probably. Do you I need a know. minute? Huh? You good? I was just turning my phone off. I don't know how to make it not make noises. Mm. 
technology is hard. I know. Um, Guitar. So I've probably, God, I don't know when I started playing guitar. Probably when I was like 12 years old. Um, I got an electric guitar. The cheapest Fender, like Squire. It was, yeah, not Fender really technically. Squire, Strat, and Amp combo. Yeah. Yeah, then that was... uh, $150. Did it come in a cardboard box? <laughs> I don't remember. I got it for Christmas, and it came with a lot. I mean, that's that's a pretty great deal to get an electric guitar and an amp and all the little things that came with it. Um, Tuner. Yeah. Strap. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, from man, from that moment on, I would just sit in my room and try to figure things out. I remember I I didn't even use a pick for the longest time. I would just use my thumb and my fingers until I realized that that's not really how I wanted to be doing it. Are you banjoing your guitar? I was really just using my thumb, pretty much. Kind of like Jeff Beck does, I guess. But mm. he was good at it, and I was not. So I had to figure <laughs> out how to use a and pick. And you were 12, so like, yeah. a little bit of grace there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was really hard on myself back in those days. <laughs> you immediately were like, this is how Jeff Beck does it. <laughs> what am I not doing right? Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah. And it's all... Uh, then the, the obsession be, began back in those days. So you said a little bit of theory, but mostly you're just trying to feel it. Um, which I feel like... And I'm not saying my morning jacket doesn't do really heady things with their with their music but um there's a really deep emphasis on just feeling it Mm -hmm. they're not they're not a jam band but i feel like they're a hop skip and a jump away from it yeah and i mean when they play live i mean a lot of people do consider them a jam band and they tour with a lot of jam bands yeah um it was funny, I actually, I remember a long time ago, because I've always had this thing about the theory behind it, and like the chord progression, and what comes next, and whatever, and he was like, he knows all that stuff, and it's good to have that, that bass line and that background, but he, he said something like, um, if you're trying to figure out the theory, or what the next chord is, or like, you know, how this fits in, you're already too late. Because you got to feel it. It's about the feeling. So, and that was a session player here yeah. in town. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really interesting to me. So, I think there there's a healthy balance of both. You do some writing of your own, like yeah, you've you've played and you've contributed to product to to not products but projects. Um, but you you've done some writing and recording on your own of your like is it instrumental mainly that you that you've worked on you've shown me some clips and the reason i bring it up is that every time that you show me something i feel like you're a little bit like this is uh i mean <laughs> it might be okay and then you show me this fully fleshed out thing that's like well that sounds great just master it and release it um Enough to the point that I I assume you probably have a backlog of stuff that you've just filed away um, that yeah. you haven't haven't put out there. I do have a lot of stuff, and I do enjoy making music and recording my own stuff. Um, I used to do it way more because I honestly just because I had way more time, but yeah, I have a lot of unfinished things. I have a hard time finishing things. It's probably because I'm doing it mostly by myself. Um, but I really do enjoy recording my own stuff, creating things in all sorts of different crazy, weird genres. Um, but, yeah. Very is it a technical things. thing that keeps you from finishing them, or is it someone coming alongside you with a fresh set of set of ears and eyes and saying, 
this is where it needs to go. This is how it needs to be brought to closure and structured. It's a little bit of both. It depends. You know, so nowadays, I mean, I have everything at my fingertips to be able to make a professional recording. I've got good microphones. I've got, you know, the right software on my computer. It's easy. Most people, anybody can really do that at their house these days. Um, so the problem is, is I, a lot of times I have something in my head, and I think, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have this issue, but um, you play something on guitar or whatever instrument, and you have this song in your head the way that it should sound, and even though you have all of the the right stuff to be able to record it and put it into a digital format or whatever, you can't get it to sound like it sounds in your head. And so that's a problem a lot. And then a lot of times I just have unfinished songs probably because just like what you're saying, it's I I need other people to come along. And a lot of my stuff is instrumental because I don't, like the sound of my own voice um but it is a even if the songs are crap um which a lot i mean there's a lot that i have that uh no one has ever heard because they may be kind of crap but (laughs) i feel like there's also like like I mentioned a minute ago, there's so many things that you've shown me where you're like nervous about showing someone and it's fleshed out and developed and thought out and it's pretty beautiful. Um, you've done some finger style guitar work and sent it to me and you're like, hey man, this kind of feels shitty. I don't know. <laughs> I might just throw away the guitar and the track. I might just burn the whole house down. Um, <laughs> and it's like, oh man, I thought that was like a f- complete idea, complete thought. Um, I I relate to the to the notion that you feel like your voice is bad. That you feel like your voice isn't like something that you want to put out there. Um, I really enjoy so far. This is the second episode. Thanks again for listening. But I really enjoy doing this podcast, but I hate going back and listening to my own voice when I'm editing it. Mm -hmm. But I like the content of connecting with people enough where like, that's the, that's the push. I think about a lot of the singers that I've, connected to and enjoyed and it and it would feel kind of bad to drop the names right now because it would feel like me saying that they're bad singers but like some of the the bands and and musicians that I've listened to that have had like bad vocalists bad singers but great songs and great delivery great delivery is way different than than great vocalists Mm -hmm. like having chops and having delivery you know um i don't know i'm i may not be going anywhere with that i may just be saying like let's keep pushing ourselves to put stuff out but your instrumental stuff is strong i've i've really enjoyed it i appreciate you saying that um you know and a lot of that stuff i've had for years and i'm like man I need to, I need to have this person or this person like help me finish this. I think I have a fatal problem though, in that I get so attached to the idea behind something, and then bringing other people in, I'm like, this is my baby. Yeah. I don't want my baby to change, but um, you know. There are also a lot of times, I mean, I mean, this happens with my wife all the time in non-musical things. I think about projects that I'm doing at home or whatever, and I'm like, this is my baby, and I am like, 
I've got a vision for it. And Leah will walk in and she'll be like, oh man, I wonder if we did this. I'd be, I'd be like, whoa, I literally never even thought of that. And that's like a thousand times better than anything <laughs> that, that I would have come up with. Yes, we should definitely do that. So who knows? You built out your back deck recently in the roof over the deck as well. Um, were you thinking of that project or was there another big project that you, that you took on around the house? Oh, with, with Leah's suggestions. Uh, I mean, literally every project. Yeah. It's all the time. It's all the time. Everything. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of different things, um, that I can think of. And so she's actually learned, um, to just not ask me because I'll sit there and look at something for like an hour or longer and then dwell about it, dwell on it for like three days and think about it, pray about it, you know, just really get it. And yeah, she'll, um, so she won't ask me, she'll just change something and I'll walk in and I'll be like, whoa, this is way better. So she's learned. That's how I operate, though. I can tend to dwell on things, including the songs that I write. So it gets stuck in your head, and part of that creative process is trying to figure out how to get out of your head and realizing that on its way out of your head through your fingertips, it's not going to end up looking like the thing that's inside of your head. Yeah. I mean, I relate to that a lot as an artist. I have a lot of ideas that I'm like, I want to move through this emotion and move through this concept. And then like breaststrokes and I'm like, yeah, that looks nothing like what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yep. Um, but sometimes that can be a good thing. It can be a good thing. And a lot of times I'm like, okay, well, this may not be the thing I was thinking thinking of but let's just go let's just let it run yeah let's just see where it's gonna go and it seems almost like the idea in our head is not one song or one picture or one thing but it's a concept that has lives inside of it like Mm -hmm. the song that you're thinking about could almost be split into the lives of multiple songs and the thing that I'm trying to, to convey on a canvas could like, if I'm lucky, part of it will ring true in the piece that I'm working on. But the better part of it that I think I'm almost naive of is that it will manifest in a body of work. Yeah. I mean, have you ever had, something that was in your head, like you had this idea for a painting and then you start to paint it and you can't get the idea on the piece of canvas. But whatever comes out is way better than what you expected. Or maybe not better than what you were trying to do, but different and you loved it. It's better when I stop trying to make it the thing in my head. It's better when I'm like, okay, cool. We are in a different environment now. What is this trying to be? Yeah. And there will undoubtedly be influence from the thing that I was originally trying to draw from. Like that's the place of, of like, it's the resource in the back of my head, right? Like I was drawing from that thing, but yeah, it's usually when I stop trying to fit something into a mold. I mean, it's like that with relationships too, right? Like, mm-hmm. we have we have more true and real relationships with people, with our friends, and we're like not trying to assume. Like that that's the barrier of like, I meet someone. Oh yeah, they're a nice person. The face that you put on when you meet them at a at, a, at an event or a party or something, mm-hmm. and you have like a box of like, oh, that's what that person's like. And then you realize, like, oh, man, they're actually super weird. That's awesome. Like, <laughs> love that. Yeah. Um, like, you're a weird guy. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that that is a compliment. I appreciate like, that. I appreciate, I appreciate knowing <laughs> that people are weird. 
<clears throat> yeah. I mean, I have... That is one of the things that I probably love the most is when um, in many different areas of my, um, in my life and my experiences, especially in music, is when I have expectations and then those are kind of blown out of the water and maybe it's not better than what my expectations were, but, you know, I say I'm recording something, it turns out totally different and it's awesome. I'm like, well, guess this just went in a different direction, but I love it. Yeah, it's its own thing now. You don't have control over that. Yeah. Like something else <laughs> came out of your body. Like you were trying to make something, your yeah. body turned it into something else with your hands. Yeah. And now you're like a potter at the wheel being like, well, let's just, let's figure out where this is going. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I love that. Um, and uh, <laughs> that happens frequently with me, especially if I'm trying to record something because I'm not a professional sound engineer. So, um, Well, that's totally different than talking about just trying to write a song or put a oh, song yeah. or track a, a, a song or an idea like... I feel like the fact that you said that probably suggests that you're a bit of a perfectionist, which has been my experience with how you track and, and record things. Like the things that you're questionable about, I'm, I'm probably don't even notice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do tend to um, err on the side of, of being picky <laughs> about the things that I do. But, you know... I'm sure that that helps you in some ways too, though, you know, like if you're trying to, if you're trying to, um, like you, you said that you're scared of, of being master of none when it comes to having so many di like divided interests, but I've heard you play, I've heard you track on people's records. You've played on Lacey's album, like her EP and songs that she's about to release and you've played on other people's albums and guitar and pedal steel and whatever else. Um, I think it's fine that you're picky. You're probably also your worst critic in that scenario. True. I mean, we, we probably all are to some degree, but I don't know. Does that, does that sound right? Yeah. I, I think you're, yeah, you're right. And I am my own worst critic. For sure. Um, or else, you know, yeah, yeah, I definitely am. But um, the other thing that has been sinking in for me, it's hard living in Nashville. Yeah. Because um, not only are you surrounded by people that, you know, falling back to my hometown... Um, you know, there are you hot stuff Sutton. <laughs> there are a lot of probably a lot of good players there, but here in Nashville, it's like there are good players and there are people that are just like unbelievable. Like, like I own a guitar, but I'm not a guitarist. Oh man. If you move me to the arc to the North Pole, I might say that I play guitar. But like yeah. you don't say that unless like you're in it. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, gosh, there are people here that just can't hit a wrong note, and they're almost a dime a dozen here, which For is sure. crazy. So, um, I'm learning to be more comfortable in the fact that, you know what, this is not my profession. This is not how I support my family. Like, I have a day job, but this is my hobby it's my outlet it's you know it's my creative release and i almost kind of prefer it that way um because so there's a lot less pressure less, yeah, there's so yeah. much less pressure and i could just do it for fun when i want um and so i mean yeah do i wish i was as good as some of those guys of course that'd be awesome um but i just have fun with it so i enjoy having fun with it yeah, I think there's something to be said about your creative voice being allowed the room to not have that pressure on it. Like, 
this is obviously an outlet for you as a human being to express something. This is obviously a, a way that you're able to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, you have incredible voicing. Like you have, you have great voicing when you're playing the guitar or pedal steel. I, I always really enjoy hearing you play because it feels like you are putting yourself into the instrument that you're playing. Um, I mean, you can play the notes, but it's it's a different thing entirely to feel like there's a lot of presence there. It's um, very kind of you to say. Oh, you're very welcome. But <laughs> it's it's also fun because I've seen you track in the studio before, and whether or not you play the same thing note for note two, three t- times in a row, um, you have a lot of fun with improv too. Yeah, I enjoy um, coming up with stuff on the fly. And you know what? Honestly, um, I I joke about this frequently, like that uh, I'm not good enough at like pedal steel or something to to be able to shred or whatever. Which is which is great because um, like <laughs> like if I'm playing at church or something. I'm considered to be very tasteful because I can just stop playing because I don't know what I'm actually supposed to be playing. So I just stop, you know, put a little breath in there. Seems so tasteful. It's really honestly because I don't know what I'm playing. But um, (laughs) there is definitely uh, something to be said about not being perfect. Honestly, all of the list, all of the music that I listen to that I love the most is imperfect, and it's weird and it has strange, um, like it even just a straight up guitar sound. I don't want to hear the most perfect, you know, guitar in the most perfect room. I want it to be organic, and I want there to be, yeah, you know, intricate little things that could be considered mistakes, but that make it interesting. And so, um, I don't know. I think that not being perfect makes something a lot better. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to think of, um, I mean, since we're talking about records, something that was, like, decidedly not perfect, but released anyways... Um, like wasn't most of Nebraska by Springsteen just like demo tapes? Man, I I don't know, but I know there's a lot of lore around that. You know, it's the stuff that is um, legendary because it was recorded in somebody's like kitchen, or yeah, I mean the the Carrie and Lowell by Sufjan. There are a bunch of vocal takes that were that made it to the final pressing that were like hotel voice memos on his iPhone. <laughs> like yeah, vocal tracks that were the lead vocals on songs that were just like the truest version. I'm sure that they recorded multiple versions of it, but they went back to like this has something else inside of it. Yeah. I don't know how to put my finger on that. And I don't know what to call that other than just human. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know, that, that word could get overused and trite eventually. But it's a... Uh, yeah, I think I think that's the thing to lean into. I think it's easy to be hard on ourselves. I think it's easy for us to be like, this didn't hit the mark. And I'm like, well, what mark were you going for? The one inside my head, the one that no one else can see. Yeah, sure. We'll just keep making shit. I don't know. Like, I don't. I don't know what to tell you. Um, the thing that you made resonates with me. Keep doing it. It's going to be a representation of the broader image. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's difficult because when you're you're here in Nashville. Um, I have to really continually think there are certain projects that I've gotten to play on that I know have that same spirit and what you're talking about. And then, you know, just like, let's just make it happen. And the imperfection, 
um, makes it even better and more interesting. But I've also been in a room where I've literally been asked to play the same exact note like five times. And I'm pretty picky when it comes to that stuff. And I can't even hear much of a difference. But the engineer is like, I just like, I want it like just a little bit more like Not this. The riff, but the note. The note, yeah. literally. And so. Um, Welcome to Nashville. Yeah. It's a. Uh, it's weird. But you know what? I think the guys that are really good are the ones that are that can sit down and play a rhythm guitar track that's perfectly you know just like chugging along to the beat and they can get everything exactly perfect and then they go into the next room for a different session and um the imperfection is what people want and they just they can do that too. Hmm. And kind of flip back. That's weird because I, I mean, I appreciate that skill level, but I, I also kind of struggle with like, you mean it's a flip of a switch? It's like something you can toggle in and out of. I wouldn't know, so I'm just guessing. I guess. <laughs> You're like, I have yeah. no idea. That's, I'm not. Uh, I'm not anywhere near that level. So. And I don't know that many people that are uh, on that level. I'm not in those circles. But I don't. I don't know. I don't. That's one thing. Like that's a that's a different. That's a different thing entirely. But talking about the the humanity of expression, though, like, okay, painting on a wall doesn't require a PhD. Mm-hmm. You know. There's something about the uh, just the nature of of really true expression that's not so inhibited by the the pretentious thought of like I mean this goes back to what you were saying earlier about is this gonna is this gonna help me or hinder me by having all of this theory you were you were trying to trying to feel it which i see that when you track stuff when you're recording or when you're playing like you're way more focused and you said it's because you don't have the skill level i don't think that's true like when you're when you're playing i think it has a lot more to do with you trying to to focus on on feeling where the music is needing to go. This is a really great therapy session uh, for me. You'll see a bill later. (laughs) This isn't cheap for either of us, you know. I'm just laying here on my couch, letting this wash over me. I like it. We should have sat in your kitchen. (laughs) Oh, no, this is perfect. I hear that a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. There's a, I think there's just a place for everything. And you have to understand what your goal is. Because, you know, I do wish that I knew, knew more music theory. Because I think that that would help me be Maybe a better at this player. Point, yeah, sure. But it is all about feeling it and making somebody else feel it. And your phrases and the emotion behind it, you know. So, which um, luckily I'm better at that than I am at um, knowing, you know, what the exact chord is that's, that's happening in the background as I'm playing to it. But... I don't know. I think there's a place for all of it. And that's where, you know, circling back to when I was talking about seeing that video of the guy that was talking, the the session player that was talking about theory and said, you know, if you're trying to figure that out, you're already too late. Well, you know, 
the reason I started playing pedal steel is listening to My Morning Jacket. They, their lead guitarist who plays steel, Carl Bramel, um, I heard Jim James, their lead, you know, songwriter and singer and everything, and guitarist, uh, in an interview talking about how he doesn't know the theory behind anything and he just, which he probably, he knows quite a bit, I'm sure, but he just feels things. And so when they're in the studio, it's him and Carl, they'll sit next to each other and Jim will play something and then Carl will be like, that's awesome. So we need to get the, uh, you know, whatever, this chord and this and that and this and put that together and then their teamwork with <laughs> Carl knowing all of the theory and Jim feeling things makes it awesome. <laughs> um, so, well, you enjoy collaboration. Oh yeah, like a lot of what you you do when you feel. And I'm not putting. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe what I've observed about when you feel really naturally rested and 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 kind of put into a a, a place where you fit is when you are. A component among other components you are playing with people I think I think collaboration musically is a really interesting thing you're mm-hmm. all sharing voices and and taking turns speaking and how to speak over each other but not uh, I don't know like how do we speak in harmony Obviously, yeah. harmony is a musical term, but um, yeah, yeah. I truly do enjoy um, collaboration and playing with other people and being creative in that sense. Because, um, I mean, there's so many different ways to do it, but um, I just in the most simplistic form possible possible i honestly um i have a hard time like completing things or like like if i'm creating something by myself if i'm recording something i have so many songs that are just unfinished um and i admire there are people that i collaborate with that are really not the greatest musicians, but they just put stuff out and they finish things. Mm. Uh, that record right there that's sitting, um, sitting on the on all my I don't other have records. My glasses on. What is that? It's uh, it's a buddy of mine um, who lives here. It's Mount Olympic, and the dude just churns stuff out. Did you play on um, that record? Yeah, I played Steel on that. And by the way, I'm not saying that he's not a great musician. Uh, <laughs> I think he is a good musician. Um, but man, he just like puts things out. And he'll ask me to play on stuff, and I'll play on it. And it's literally like weeks later, there's something on vinyl. And uh, I admire that because uh, I have a hard time making things happen like that. So apart from the finishing, do you feel like you're more productive when you're playing with other people? Do you prefer one over the other? You know, at this point in my life, I actually do prefer like playing live with other people more than anything, I think. Well, since COVID, I think we all prefer live music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I prefer... Being in a room with another human <laughs> and being able to just be with someone. I want um, to pay money for a ticket to see this. <laughs> but, I mean, for the last several years, even before COVID, um, but even more so now, uh, I just really enjoy just learning a song and just playing it with other people. I don't know yeah. why. It's just therapeutic it's it's nice sure i like it yeah have you always seen music as therapy oh yeah um 
if I've had a a long day, my thing that I have to do is just come down here and either play guitar or or get a nice small glass of whiskey, throw some music on, put a playlist on, and play steel guitar along with music as I'm listening to it. And that is just like the most restful, relaxing thing to me. Hmm. Um, before we hit record on the podcast, we were talking about you playing over and doing a cover of a fortet track. I don't remember what the name of it was. Locked. Locked. Um, I think it's it's such a fun thing to use instruments that are not the assumed instrument for that genre and how you want to use pedal steel to cover a bunch of of i think of it as like techno house stuff mm-hmm. there's a lot of subgenres. <laughs> I, I could get roasted real fast but um, i wouldn't know what to call it either to be honest i i love fortet he's a great producer yeah. um but i also i mean i i think about um jamie xx his album mm-hmm. in color which is one of my favorite yeah. albums he uses all these steel drums that i associate with like island music <laughs> yeah in ways that are like really not just interesting but that's a that's a tone in a way that i haven't i haven't heard it in that context and all of a sudden there's a new dimension um yeah yeah it's fun that you want to do that yeah i mean most people associate like you said earlier pedal steel with country music which i was never really a fan of country music growing up even though i grew up in west texas and that's just you know i heard 90s country on the radio um everywhere i went but i became a fan of country music after I started playing pedal steel, it was a little bit backwards, and it, it's kind of like... Is it because you appreciated the technique? Yeah, I appreciate the instrument more huh, and the technique, so I can listen to a country song and be like, whoa, that's awesome. Like, I want to learn how to play that. Um, and it opens new worlds for you. So like, or when I really started getting into production, like music production and, um, you know... When you get your first, my first Mac, my Apple computer, and I had GarageBand on it, and I got a MIDI keyboard, and I started learning how to do all sorts of stuff, and it it made me listen to different types of music in different ways. It made me appreciate mm. other music in different ways because I could see how they were doing it. And so that's, uh, pedal steel has opened up a lot for me, you know, in other genres, but I really do like, because most people think of it as a country music instrument, I enjoy playing it in all sorts of different genres, and there's so much, dude, I listened to Lacey's, your wife's first record um, that we recorded with Dan, um, Dan Diaz, and there is so much on there that probably only me and Dan will ever know is a pedal steel guitar. does not sound like the instrument at all. <laughs> and it doesn't yeah. at all. And I listen to it and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And no one will ever know, but it doesn't. You're right. <laughs> it doesn't sound like the a, a pedal steel guitar at all. Um, right through a big sky and a fuzz and you're like, that's not the same <laughs> instrument. And so, yeah, there's the possibilities are endless, which makes it so much fun. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I think it's interesting how it also opens up, and this feels like a a good therapy word. We can add this to the bill later, but <laughs> um, it creates this this sense of of empathy when like I don't this is just me personally, but I don't really listen to country music or especially especially thinking about like nineties pop country. But then you learn 
a complicated instrument like the pedal steel and you go back and listen and you're like, holy smokes, they did something that I appreciate that most people would not appreciate not knowing the things that, that I've learned. Mm-hmm. Like you have a, a, a sense of appreciation. Um, I think cultivating a sense of appreciation is, is important. You know, the, the things that you can only learn through, through doing something completely other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, the things that I listen to on a daily basis, the music that I listen to on a daily basis, um, if you would have, if you could tell my middle school and early high school me that I would enjoy them, I would be like, dang it. I turned into such a loser. Because <laughs> I was, I mean, into thrash, like, you know, and and some, you know. Which is hard to imagine, I'll be honest. Oh, man. Thrash? Like, yeah. speed metal stuff? Yeah, and, I mean, it all started with Metallica, and I still listen to Metallica. I love all the old stuff. You played a Metallica riff tonight. Yeah, I mean, that's like... Those are my roots. I, at one point, I mean, early so on, say I was... roots rock, you're like, I have a different meaning of the word. <laughs> early on, honestly, if a song did not have a crazy guitar solo in it, I was like, why would you even listen to this? Um, Move along, people. But, <laughs> yeah. but now, like, you know, I play mandolin. And um, so I'll listen to, I just, uh, yesterday morning... I needed to really focus on something, and I turned on to Chris Thiele's um, Bach album. I have been listening to that literally all week long. Dude, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's mind-blowing, but, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that I just appreciate it so much more because I've put my hands on that instrument. Man, so I can't imagine. I love it. I find it... I mean, it's both really enlivening and also somehow not distracting. I have just been on a big kick of not listening to music with words. Driving, I'm I'm still driving into work every day. And then whenever I'm doing stuff around the house or cleaning, I'm just, I need something to help me both focus on what is right in front of me mm-hmm. and not pull me away. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I've never really been into Bach. I, I studied classical piano when I was a kid and in high school and I never really enjoyed him. He always sounded like scales on steroids. <laughs> yeah. And I was actually, I was unloading the dishwasher yesterday morning before work thinking about Bach and I was like, this is so weird that I enjoy this so much because I don't like, I can't hum one of these tunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think maybe we're just getting old and lame, but I mean, maybe if, not. I don't if know. If this is what it looks like, I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> um, we saw Chris Thiele together. We saw him. Oh yeah, at Jack White's Third Man Records mm-hmm. when they were doing like a secret pre-album mm-hmm. playthrough of a of a to be released record. Yeah, um, incredible. Yeah, unbelievable. You you take like. I mean, I don't know. Punch Brothers. How many guys are in that? Five five guys in the band? Sure. And they're all virtuosos of their instruments. But that's just like mind-blowing to me. Also, sorry for the people listening. I literally brought up Chris Thiele 
and most of the Punch Brothers guys on the last podcast. Because <laughs> I was talking real about, into I was talking about the, the goat rodeo <laughs> sessions and I mean that's it was just a coincidence, but here we are. Well, we'll take it full circle here because those guys take bluegrass and they make it into something that is totally unexpected. Um, and they're using traditional bluegrass instruments. And, you know, you were talking about earlier listening to instrumental music and things that, you know, you can just have on in the background or whatever. Um, one album that has been really amazing for me um, is the soundtrack for Fantastic Mr. Fox. Really taking it full circle with the Wes Anderson stuff we were talking about earlier. Um, but it's Alexander Desplat. I don't even know if I'm saying his name correctly. I have no idea, but it, he's amazing. He's He is an amazing composer, and most of those, his other stuff is in, you know, huge movies, but... Um, he uses a lot of mandolin. Yeah, there's like, that album has mandolin and banjo and all sorts of like weird, you know, you know Appalachian type instruments, and it is so, it, it it's an amazing album. Um, the composition is really cool, but... That's for his, his stop motion, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. And if you haven't listened to it, you should. I'm going to make you. I'm sending it to you right now. I, I want to say that I it's triggering memories of like working on a spreadsheet. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think I'm, I have really fond memories of like working on fairly boring things. <laughs> like... I think I used it to help, like, really hone in and zone in on some work that I didn't want to do. Dang. You know, that's really true. I've listened to it a lot of when I'm working. But it is really good. Um, but, yeah. Anyways, you got to listen to it. It's amazing. It has everything we just talked about. Um, but, yeah, I honestly... Don't know that I've seen the actual movie, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Really? All the way through. But I've listened to the soundtrack many times. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, Do you appreciate the soundtrack more having played mandolin? Or is it just a fun time? You know, maybe... Maybe I do, but I think it's just a fun time. Uh, honestly, that soundtrack, I I appreciate just because it's all over the place. And it's, it. I think it reminds me of something that I would make. Because it almost feels like you just have ideas all over the place. Um, just and snowballing it's, it's, into each other. It's very, yeah, it's progressive. Although, you know, the, the same themes keep showing up over and over, but it is... Uh, it's it's just all over the place, but it never stops moving. I guess. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Kind of the way that the stop motion movie is made, like nothing is static. Everything is on a physical level, moving and shifting constantly. Mm-hmm. Like people who are, who play mandolin, like yourself included, when you're when you're playing, I I feel like whenever I'm watching someone play mandolin. Like, they don't stop moving. No. Yeah. And you know what? That is a real instrument that I'm, like, perplexed by on many levels because um, I've played a lot of mandolin, and um, I feel insecure playing the mandolin a lot of times. (laughs) Um, I've played mandolin on live recordings, which have has been terrifying for me but i see in like a band performing on stage and that being a recorded session yeah uh both emmanuel live albums Uh uh-huh i played mandolin on um which was actually quite terrifying for me because i'm one of the few people on the stage that is not a professional musician and uh, somebody's like, yeah, let's uh, let's let Tyler do the solo here on mandolin, and I'm standing right across from a guy that is like one of the most amazing guitar players I've ever heard, and I'm like, maybe you should let that guy do the solo. 
So he doesn't even play mandolin, but I bet he could knock this. I'm sure apart. he could probably do it better than me. But um, yeah, it's a it's an interesting interesting tell. instrument. Um, but you know, I don't know. In a, in a lot of ways, I kind of think that, especially when making my own music, my style of playing mandolin is very different than like a bluegrass style or or really you know i don't i never grew up listening to any form of traditional mandolin so i kind of just started playing it my own way um which i enjoy i don't know where i'm going with this but i dig it we've come full circle yeah it's been a good time Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. What you don't hear, unlike the last episode, is um, Gray, the sweet puppo <laughs> that is asleep on the rug in front of us right now, just really enjoying our conversation to the point of it being a, a, a noise machine to sleep to. She was making some good mouth noises earlier, so they probably heard that. I hope so. Thanks for listening. I hope to do this again soon. This has been a blast. And mainly, maybe not mainly, but equally, it's a nice couch just to sit on. I really enjoyed the time to sit on your couch. You know what? You come over to my house at any point and sit on my couch whenever you want. So Fantastic. I've enjoyed it as well. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, bro.